Hi, this is Pastor Curtis Crawford welcoming you to our podcast. At Revive Outreach Church, we're striving to revive an awareness of Christ in our communities through Christ-centered compassion, service, and evangelism. You can learn more about us online at www.reviveoc.org or on Facebook at facebook.com slash church. We hope that you enjoy this message, and God bless. As we talked a little bit last week, you know, Joseph, uh, he, he had a, uh, you know, a, a rough experience with this as well. Uh, he was betrothed to be uh, married to Mary. And before they were able to finish the marriage and consummate the marriage, she shows up pregnant. Uh, and uh, he's got some splaining to do. Right. Uh, and so uh, we're going to look at Joseph this morning and what we can learn from him. So if you want to open up with me in your Bible, so the book of Luke, chapter two, we're going to be looking at verses one through five. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius, uh, or excuse me, Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. And so Joseph also went up from uh, the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Uh, the video, of course, is uh, adding a little levity and taking some license. We don't know if Joseph went in and had a pity party with his donkey named Eliah, you know, or not. Or, but we do know that he had a lot on his mind. We know that a lot was being asked from him. Uh, he was a, a good man. He was a righteous man. Uh, and uh, he was being asked to be obedient to God Without having all the answers, he was being asked to be obedient to God, and it was going to be difficult. It was not going to be easy. It was going to come with challenges. Uh, and uh, with, you know, with Joseph, Zechariah, as, as you know, as we talked a little bit last week, uh, God shut his mouth. So he couldn't talk until his son was born uh, when he did not believe. And uh, Mary had an actual angel appear to her. Right, And then when we get further along, the shepherds, they had a host of angels appear to them and sing. Right, The wise men had a star that, that showed up for them to follow. But Joseph, all he had was a dream. All of these miraculous things happened to these other individuals to get their attention and for them to grab hold and believe what God was saying was true. But Joseph, he had a dream. And I don't know about you, but when I've had dreams, it becomes easy to uh, forget those dreams. It becomes easy, right, uh, to begin to question what the dream was really about, right? Anyone, uh, I have, I, I have uh, advent, advent dreams, very vivid, vivid dreams. My poor wife, I wake up in the middle of the night stomping on snakes and smacking spiders and all kinds of crazy things at home, and uh, she'll, I, I, I sleepwalk, which is awful. I've sleptwalked as long as I can remember. I remember waking up over my brother. Don't ask me why. When we were teenagers, I walked to his room, and I had the blanket pulled up over my head like this. I mean, I was a teenager, and I was asleep, uh, and I was just standing over him, and my brother woke me up and said, Curtis, what are you doing? embarrassed when I woke up, I just kind of turned around and went back, right? But, you know, uh, if you, you have dreams, 
right? Uh, you, I don't know about you, but uh, I say, well, that's just a silly dream. No matter how real it feels, no matter what, right? So Joseph had a dream. In the dream, an angel appears to him and tells him to go ahead and take Mary as his wife. Now, he obviously believed this dream to be significant, and he was going to be obedient to what God told him in the dream. But it was just a dream, something that over the days and weeks could have easily been forgotten, questioned, and ultimately ignored. The others, they were difficult to ignore. Mary, not only did an angel appear to her, she got pregnant without being with a man. You know, again, Zechariah could not talk, right, until a son was born. But Joseph, all he got was a dream. And God expected him to be obedient to that direction, knowing that it was going to be difficult, knowing that it was going to be hard. And so the first thing that you and I can learn from Joseph is we have to be obedient to God even when it's difficult. As our world continues to change and it continues to spiral uh, out of control, it's going to get more and more difficult to be obedient to God. As it continues to become more and more secular, where God is uh, being removed and outright banned from uh, our life, uh, public life, and even uh, in some countries, you can't even pray to yourself, right? There's people that have been arrested in the UK uh, for, uh, in fact, a man and a woman both, at least two, for simply being uh, at a location, an abortion clinic, and praying to themselves, not, not even saying anything out loud, their lips not moving, just standing there. They admitted that they were praying, they were arrested, so we're, we're going to get more difficult to be obedient to God. And, and listen, it was difficult for Joseph. He was a righteous man. He had it all worked out and how he was going to spare Mary uh, the embarrassment and also get out of it without causing a big scene. As we talked a little bit about last week, he was going to put her away quietly and then just move on with his life, right? Not try to shame her. Uh, he tried to uh, solve the problem on his own, uh, and uh, God said, nope, I have another plan. And how many times do we find it in our lives when we are facing difficult circumstances where we decide that we're going to try to resolve it on our own? We're going to fix it. We're going to come up with a plan. We're going to do it instead of asking God first. Even sometimes when we're being obedient in difficult times, we're trying to figure out how we can be obedient to God, yet still make it in the world and still satisfy the world, right? Still not be uh, a judge, still not be uh, persecuted, right? We're still trying uh, to figure out how we can be friends with the world and friends with God. We can't. You can't serve two masters, Right? The Bible says we can't serve God in money, but that money could be anything. Greed, anything that is not of God, that we put in front of God. We cannot serve that. And so you and I, we don't have the luxury of trying to be friends with the world and trying to be friends with God. It's, it's one or the other. We either serve God or we serve the world. We serve Satan. That's, that's our options. And so uh, in those difficult times in this world, when we're facing difficult choices on being obedient to God, even though it's going to be hard and people are going to ask questions, do we serve God or do we not? We have to go to him, seek him, look for his guidance and his 
direction. To not question what he's asked us or instructed us to do in his word. Listen, you may never get a dream and you may never see an angel, but what you do have is the word of God that gives us the instructions and the how to live a godly life in this world. And in those instructions, Jesus said, listen, don't be afraid when they hate, they hate you. Don't be concerned. They hated me. They're going to hate you too. Right? He told them it was going to be difficult. That's why he said, take up your cross and follow me. It wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be daily. Crucifying self, denying self, to follow after God. It wasn't going to be easy. It was going to be difficult. And like Joseph, you and I have to make a decision to be obedient even when it is difficult. Even when people are asking questions that we have no answers to. Even when we have questions that we cannot answer and we're waiting for an answer to, we must be obedient. Right when people, our family are saying, why in the world are you still going to church? Why in the world are you still serving God? Why in the world are you not participating in these things that we're participating in? When they peer pressure us and make it difficult, we have to serve God. Even when it's difficult. And during the most difficult time in Joseph's life, he had to make choice after choice to be obedient to God. Do you know that an angel, uh, uh, that he had dreams three times, that an angel appeared to him in a dream? Three times. Three times God gave Joseph instruction in a dream. And three times they were radical instructions. They weren't easy instructions. You and I, we've, we've got it easy pretty much. Uh, we've got it easy when it comes to obeying God in difficult times because I don't know about you, but no one tells me I can't go to church yet. And no one tells me that I can't preach the gospel yet. And no one tells me that I can't share my faith yet. And no one tells me that I can't pray yet. We've got it pretty easy. Now, as I said, there's coming a time where it's going to get harder and harder. But right now, if we cannot serve God in these these times that we're in now, how are we going to serve God when it's more difficult? Amen. Many folks say that they would love to suffer for Christ, but they're not willing to live for him. They say they're willing to die for him, but again, not willing to live for him. Living for God is living when, for him and being obedient to him when it's difficult. And the great thing about God is that even when it's difficult, he's with us and he's promised us that he's overcome the world. John 16, tells you that in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Our peace is in Jesus Christ. We're gonna have trouble. We're gonna face difficult circumstances, but Jesus has overcome the world. That world there could represent all the systems of the world, all evil, everything that the enemy meant for evil, from the time that Adam fell until uh, the time that Jesus returns again, Christ has overcome all of it. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be frightened or scared. He gives us peace, as we learned in Philippians, right? When we were studying Philippians, it says he gives us the peace that passes all understanding. He guards our heart 
with that peace stands watch over us. So difficult times are going to happen, but God has overcome them all. He has a plan and a purpose. And so when we are faced with those choices and difficult decisions uh, and difficult circumstances here in this world, we got to put our eyes upon Jesus, trust him as Joseph did and do and be obedient, even if it's uncomfortable. The second thing that we can learn from Joseph is that we have to be obedient to God even when we're far from home. Even when we're far from home. Um, I don't know about you, but my home is my comfort zone. My home is where I'm comfortable. Uh, as we saw, and as any of you, many of you may know that um, when Moses went to, or Moses, uh, uh, when Joseph went to Bethlehem and the baby was born and Jesus was born, uh, they lived there for a couple of years. And then after the wise men came, God appeared to Joseph in another dream. And in this dream, he told Joseph that he needed to go to Egypt. If you look at Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 14, it says, And when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph, the they being uh, the wise men. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And so he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt. Now, at, up to this point, Joseph was in his own country. He was still in the land of Israel. In fact, at Bethlehem, he was with other family members and distant relatives there as well. He, they had set up roots, and now the wise men had come, and they had brought these gifts uh, of frankincense and gold and myrrh, very, very valuable uh, gifts for them. And uh, right as they're comfortable... Uh, they have a dream and God says, you've got to pack up. Not only do you have to move, but you need to go to the land of Egypt. Now you got to understand Egypt was uh, a safer than when they were, where they were at that time, because Herod was about to have all the babies uh, killed so he could eradicate the Messiah, the Jewish king who uh, had been predicted. Uh, and so it was safer than Israel, but it was not safe. They were going to Egypt and they were foreigners in Egypt. Uh, but God instructed him in this dream to get up and to take his family and to relocate, to leave home to where he called home and to uproot again and go to Egypt out of his comfort zone. You and I have to be obedient when God asks us or instructs us to get out of our comfort zone, to get away from home. Many of us are struggle to be obedient to God or to accomplish the purpose that he has for us because we are unwilling to be uncomfortable, right? We're unwilling to be uncomfortable. I, I don't know about you, but uh, I don't like, uh, it's hard for me to just go up to strangers and talk to them. Uh, believe it or not, uh, it, it, I've gotten a lot better than I was, uh, but it, it, uh, it's very hard for me to be in large crowds. It's very hard for me to talk with people that I don't know, right? Uh, it's difficult. It takes a great deal of effort on my part. It makes me very uncomfortable. And since I've uh, taken on the responsibilities of a pastor, I've had to be uncomfortable a lot. 
Uh, I hate talking on the phone. I despise talking on the phone. And any of you here who have had the pleasure of speaking to me on the phone, you know that there's a lot of silence. And there's a lot of uh, me repeating myself because of the silence. Uh, and uh, because I hate it. I hate it. I hate talking to my relatives on the phone. I don't like it. I just, I don't like it. I, I, I hate it. It's just something that I'm not comfortable with. Okay. I'm weird. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but uh, I'm just uncomfortable uh, talking to people. But I have to step out of my comfort zone. I don't like going to the hospital. I don't like going to the hospital. I don't like being around sick people. You say, well, that's selfish. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with my dad. Uh, when I still struggle going to the hospital because my dad died when I was very young. And I know it sounds weird, but the smells of the hospital bring me all the way back to when I was 10 years old, going in there and visiting him. Right. And so that is something that I'm way better at. Right. I've had to visit a lot of hospitals and a lot of sick people and a lot of nursing homes in the last, uh, you know, 10 or 11 years. But I've had to get out of my comfort zone. And even to this day, I'm uncomfortable. Right. It's I have to push myself to go. And once I get there, I don't know what to say. Me, I'm ready to go in and say, can I pray with you and turn around and walk out the other door? Because honestly, I don't know what to do. I'm no good at it. It's been 11 years. I'm still no good at it. Right. Thank goodness. My mom usually goes with me or, or Kelly so they can kind of be the reason and talk when I, they're my Aaron to my Moses. Right. They're the ones talking. And when it's all done, I nod my head every once in a while. And then they say, Pastor, you want to pray? Yes, I can do that part. Right. Uh, but the other parts I'm not so good at. Uh, and still, it's been 11 years and I still struggle with that. I, I, uh, I envy pastors and people who could just go and do those things and be so free flowing with it, but I can't. I have to get out of my comfort zone. I have been pushed out of my comfort zone. And so uh, for you and I to be obedient to God, we've got to get out of our comfort zones. God cannot use us if we are unwilling to be uncomfortable. Listen, real ministry happens where it's not comfortable. Real ministry happens out in the real world where there are real people who are really hurting, who are really struggling, right? Things, situations, and people that make us uncomfortable. That's where real ministry happens, right? That's where it happens. So we've got to be willing to get out of our comfort zone, to stray from home and be obedient to God even when we're uncomfortable, that's where the ministry takes place. Listen, I, I know that God has moved within the doors of this church and there's been people whose, people whose lives have been touched and we've seen people accept Christ as Lord and Savior and their lives change. But I have to tell you, uh, the, the majority of ministry happens outside the four walls of any church you're building. Amen. Ministry occurs on your job with your coworkers, sharing Christ when they don't want to hear it and they're uncomfortable. Ministry happens when they're around the water cooler and they're sharing dirty jokes or they're passing instant messages back and forth and you removing yourself and not participating, even though it can be uncomfortable and you may be teased, right? Real ministry is being, uh, 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 having integrity 
in spite of those around you not having integrity and it becomes uncomfortable. Real ministry is ministering to people who don't look like we do, right? Who, uh, who, who don't uh, dress like we do, who participate in activities that we don't necessarily approve of, right? Who go to places to do things uh, that we are, are, uh, that don't like, right? That make us uncomfortable. Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. He allowed prostitutes to wash his feet, right? I mean, the, the, the dude, uh, he uh, made himself with, he put himself in situations with people who you and I would be very uncomfortable with to minister to them, right? We have to do the same. I'm not saying to condone sin. Jesus said to the lady who was caught in adultery and brought before, her, or before him, uh, he said, go and sin no more. So I'm not saying that we condone sin, but I am saying we have to sometimes go in to where sin has root and we have to share the gospel and bring light into darkness and it can be uncomfortable. We have to be obedient to God even when it is uncomfortable. When our kids don't want to go to church, you make them go anyway. When your husband or your wife doesn't want to go to church, you pack up and you go anyway. When they say, honey, why don't you stay home today? You say, no, I'm going to go be in God's house. Right? When we are being pressured to, to not be obedient to God uh, to, because they're making us feel uncomfortable, we have to strive to still serve God and honor him with our life and the choices that we make. Here's the thing that in those uncomfortable situations, God is still with you and God is with me. And that's what I have to hold on to every time that I enter into one of those situations where I have to minister, where I don't feel comfortable and I'm out of my comfort zone, right? When I'm getting and going to what I feel like is an unsafe place, right? I, I have to seek God all the more and pray all the more and say, God, please don't let me say something stupid. Sometimes he doesn't honor that, as you know, on Sunday mornings when I'm trying to be funny, <laughs> right? And I say stupid jokes like last week. Uh, but, uh, you know, don't let me say something and put my foot in my mouth, you know, because uh, so I have to rely, rely on God. And so when you and I are facing those uncomfortable circumstances where he's wanting to use us and for us to be obedient to him, to get out of our comfort zone, we have to call on him all the more. Listen, God is, it seems like more ministry is done by someone who is uncomfortable than people who are completely comfortable because it's genuine. Right? If you've got all the self-confidence in the world and you're prideful and you're arrogant, it's difficult to minister to people who are hurting. It just is. It's okay to have a little doubt. It's okay to be worried. It's okay to, to wonder what you're going to say and what you're going to do. It's okay because you know what? The person you're ministering to has doubt. And the person that you're ministering to has questions. And the person that you're ministering to, they may be uncomfortable too. So it's okay to be real. It's okay. I think when we get to the place where it comes easy, maybe there's a problem. Right? When, we, when it, it comes so easy that we feel like we don't have to rely on God, that we're not uncomfortable at all. 
I was talking with Billy the other day, and he's been preaching a whole lot more and speaking a whole lot more. And he said, Dad, you'd think I, I wouldn't uh, be nervous every single time. I said, son, if you stop being nervous, there's a problem. I said, because it's not that you don't have the knowledge here. I said, but every single time you got to trust God that you're saying what he wants you to say to the people that need to hear it. Every time you, you pick up and you have an audience and you preach God's word, you are responsible for those who are hearing and it's a sacred responsibility. You've got to take it seriously. And I, I got to tell you, I've been doing this for a long time, teaching children, teaching youth, teaching adults. And there could be times when you think, I got this. It's dangerous when you get to that place. So, you know, you got to, it's okay to be uncomfortable, but we have to overcome that by obedience to God. And finally, the thing that we can learn, the last thing that we can learn about Joseph is being obedient in the little things and our day-to-day -day walk, right? So many of us worry about, and, and I'm guilty of this, about what am I going to do if God asks me to sell my car tomorrow? I'm just throwing that out there. What if God asked me to quit my job and go into ministry? What if God asked me to do something like he asked Joseph to do, pick up my home and go into the mission field? What if God asked me to do something mighty like that? Would I be able to do it? But in my day-to-day -day life, I lie, I cheat, and I lust, and I covet, and I'm disobedient in my everyday life. It doesn't matter about the big things. We have to be obedient to God in the little things. Joseph, in the third time that God appeared to him in a dream after the, uh, in Egypt, after a couple years, again, God comes to him in a dream and instructs him to pack up again. So in Matthew chapter 2, 19 through 23, it says, And after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who are trying to take the child's life are dead. And so God is telling Joseph, okay, now it's time to go home. Uh, Herod is dead. Uh, and Herod, of course, is the one who was killing all of the babies, trying to eradicate the Messiah, the king of the Jews. Uh, and so uh, Herod's dead. So God is telling him to go back. But this is the interesting part. And so he got up. He took the child and his mother. He went to the land of Israel. So he gets up and he goes to Israel. He's living his life, right? He's being obedient to God. But after he gets to Israel, he hears that uh, Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father, Herod. And he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. Uh, so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, he will be called a Nazarene. So Joseph gets up and he's obedient and he goes back to Israel. When he gets to Israel, he learns that Herod's son is more evil than Herod. Believe it or not, his son was worse than him. His son, when he took over, killed 3,000 of the most prominent citizens in his region so that he could prove a point that you needed to fear him. He was an evil man. Uh, so he was evil uh, as his father. And so God uh, told Joseph again, after he had arrived in Israel, you need to keep going, go ahead and go back to Galilee and settle in Nazareth. 
And, and, and what I, so basically Joseph was obedient to God going back to Egypt. And then when he got back to Egypt, he had to be obedient to God to be told where to live, where to go when he was back in Israel. When he got back to Israel, he, he relied on God to tell him where to go when he was in Israel, right? He had to be obedient. So he did the big thing. He went back to Israel. Then he had to do the little thing, which was go settle in the town of Nazareth. Right? Where he, they would be saved. And to fulfill scripture. So that it would say that Jesus was a Nazarene. Right? Which had been predicted uh, in the Old Testament. Right? And so uh, we have to be obedient to God in those little things every single day in our lives. The non-difficult things. The things that God expects us to do every day. You know, Jesus told a parable of a, of a wise man and a foolish man. Uh, he, he said the foolish man uh, built his house upon the sand. Uh, and so he built up this, his house and the winds came and the rain came and it washed his house away. But the wise man, he built his house upon the rock. And the rains came and the wind came and it battered his house, but his house stood. And Jesus said, the wise man is the one who hears my commands and obeys them. You and I are practicing wisdom when we are obedient to the commands of God in our everyday lives. It's great to be obedient to him in the big things, but it starts with being obedient every single day with the words that we say and the choices that we make in our everyday life. That's the foundation, folks. We can't do anything greater until we get that under control. We have to be obedient to God every single day in those little things in our lives. You know, I believe it was Paul wrote that everything that we do, we need to do it as if we're doing it for God everything, right? Every choice that we make when you're on your job, you say, well, my job has nothing to do with church or ministry. We're supposed to still honor God in it, Amen. right? You say, well, I'm just a housewife, honor God in it. I'm a stay at home dad, honor God in it, right? We need to honor God with everything that we do in all of our lives, being obedient to him, following his direction that he's laid out in his word. You know, being obedient to, obedient to God is a sacrifice that pleases him. It honors him when we're obedient to him. It's a form of worship. So many times you and I focus on, we only can worship God when we're in church and there's a worship song playing or we're at home and there's a worship song playing or we're in our prayer closet. And of course, those are all times to worship God. But you know, when you're also worshiping God, when you make a decision to honor him with a choice that you make, mm -hmm. when you and I choose to be obedient to him, we're also worshiping God, right? Worship isn't just something that happens in a church on Sunday mornings. It's a lifestyle that we practice every single day. Every choice that we make, every sacrifice that we make is honoring to God, and we need to view our lives as such. How many of us would it change the way that we live our lives with every time uh, that we uh, were obedient to God and honored him with the choices that we make and the life that we live that we understood that was an act of worship? Because here's the other thing. Every choice that we make 
And everything we do that's in rebelliousness to God, right, is an act of rebellion and an act of war. We have a choice to make. We can either worship God with our actions, right, or we could rebel against God with our actions, our choices. So when we are living and walking this life every single day, how do I speak to my spouse Am I doing so as the husband and loving her as Christ loved the church? Wife, are you speaking to your husband and honoring him the way that you're commanded to honor him, right? That's worshiping God when we treat them that way. With our children, as we're raising our children, are we not provoking them to wrath as the Bible says? That's honoring God. That's an act of worship. Are we raising them in a fear and a knowledge of him? That's honoring God. That's an act of worship, right? Does that, am I making sense here? If we started looking at our lives and all the things that you and I consider mundane, all the things that you and I consider unimportant or things that just happen every day, they are, can be opportunities to honor and worship our God. Every single day, thousands of opportunities to honor God through our words and through our actions to worship him through being obedient every day in our lives. As we talked about in Philippians, being conformed, right, into the image of Christ. Daily walking according to the spirit and not according to the flesh. That honors God, that worships God, that obedience is a, is, is a sacrifice to God that you and I need to be doing daily. If we're waiting to Sunday mornings to worship God, we're broken and our priorities are not straight. If we're waiting to Sunday mornings and that's the only day of the week that we pray and that's the only day of the week that we try to be obedient to God. We used to tease my mom uh, when I was uh, a kid, uh, you know, I would lie all week long as a kid. I know I was bad. My mom will tell you I was a, I was a pathological liar. Uh, but then on Sundays, if she asked me to do a chore, I'd throw out that now, uh, Mom, uh, we're not supposed to do any work on Sundays. It's the Sabbath. Right? Because uh, Sunday was the day that I was going to be a good little boy. Uh, when it benefited me. I uh, lived like Satan all week long, and then on Sunday, suddenly, I was a choir boy, right? Uh, and as a teenager, I remember, uh, very similar, right? Sundays was the day to repent and get all the nastiness out for, you know, Monday through Saturday. I'm sure none of you did that. You were all perfect little angels, and you're ready every time today to come to church, and you're ready to go. But me, not so much. Uh, I was, I was, I was uh, ornery and sneaky, uh, right, And so Sundays was my day to repent and get everything back in line so that Monday I could go back to being disobedient again. Right, uh, And so many of us to this day still live our lives that way. And God will not bless disobedience. He doesn't bless rebelliousness. And if you're facing constant fear and struggles and depression and anxiety in your life, Check to make sure that you're being obedient and honoring God with your decisions in your life. So many times Christians suffer with all of those things because we're not honoring God with our lives. And you guys know, I should, I'll put the asterisks here. 
You know that I know there are people, because I deal with it myself, that have problems with depression and things of that nature, bipolar and stuff, because of a chemical imbalance. But I think even in my case who deals with that, there are many times when it is exasper exasperated because I'm not honoring God with my decisions. Mm -hmm. And I think depression and anxiety is so rampant in our world today. Everybody's depressed because they're making bad decisions. Everybody has anxiety because they're making bad decisions. Right? And if we would honor God with our lives, if we would honor God with our choices, if we would worship him every day with being in obedience, it would change our lives forever. We would have peace that passes all understanding. Listen, when God's guarding your heart, you can't let the gate open to let sin in to destroy your peace. Right? I mean, that's just the facts. Uh, God will stand guard. Uh, he will guard our hearts and give us the peace that passes all understanding. But if you open the gate and let the enemy in, there's no peace promised. Amen. Right? Even for a moment, if we let the enemy in, it can bring, uh, destroy our peace and our joy and our comfort. So we have to daily strive to honor God, to keep that gate closed so that we are honoring him with our decisions and the choices that we make. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you enjoyed it and were blessed by it. Each month, we have people from all over the world who listen to the messages made available. If you've been blessed by this ministry, would you consider making a donation of any amount to help support us as we continue to reach the loss for Christ? Donations can be made online at www.reviveoc.org or by check at Revive Outreach Church, 411 Chatham Heights Road, Suite 101, Fredericksburg, Virginia, 22405. Thank you for your prayers and your continued support. May God richly bless you.